You do your thing, Captain Boomerang. I will. Stacy and I will just talk. <laughs> Damn right, we will. There's the opener. <laughs> <laughs> G'day everyone, this is episode 15 of AT3 and we are your Aussie Top 3. My name is Greg, aka Captain Boomerang, and once again I'm joined by my fellow Aussies, little Sherby Stacey Herbert and the stinger Steve Ray. What's happening guys? G'day. Not much. Uh, First pod of 2021, hey? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) You're welcome, America. (laughs) Let's hope we get off to a better start than we have in Australia. Yeah. Brisbane, at least. Yeah. Oh, we're getting there. <laughs> well, two more days of masks and we're good. Oh, fucking masks. <laughs> or three, actually. I'm over it. <laughs> you know how many people we've had to kick out of the shop? Because I work in, the, in an IGA. We've had to tell so many people to go go get a mask or leave the shop. I'm playing the world's smallest violin right now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. See, but the thing is, when when you tell them that the police can actually find you for not wearing a mask, that's when they actually go, "Oh shit, I better go get one." Yeah, people are so arrogant about it. Like masks have, um, for those listening who aren't aware, masks have been mandatory in Victoria for some time now, and you just see people they they don't they either don't wear them at all. Which, look, I'll admit most people are doing the right thing, but there's people that just either don't wear it or they have it like hanging under their nose as if that's going to do anything at all. Um, And they're just so arrogant about it. But, you know, I digress. This is not a COVID (laughs) show. I was going to say, that's your Aussie COVID corner for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, for the remainder of the episode, we'll be talking about when bad guys turn a new leaf and become good guys with our top three baby face turns. So, Stacey, like always, we go ladies first. So which bad boy turned good made your list? Alrighty. So I'm pretty certain that this is going to be on someone's list and I'm sorry for taking it, but (laughs) it just felt right. So my first pick is Batista turning on Triple H in 2005. Yep, definitely was on mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't have that one. (laughs) I, I had a feeling. It, yeah, it was a good a good choice. I almost went for it, and I was like, ah. It was just done so well. It was yeah. done so yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. If I didn't mention it, like, it, it would have been, like, you just can't talk top three face turns without bringing this into the conversation. So yes. one of the things that was so great about this face turn was it was a real slow burn over the course of a few months, which WWE just doesn't really know how to do for the most part anymore. (laughs) Um, So it started in late 2004 when Batista grew increasingly more frustrated with Triple H's behaviour. Mind you, this was during Triple H's reign of terror. Um, And during this time, Batista's face turn was very subtly teased However, it wasn't until Batista eliminated John Cena to win the 2005 Royal Rumble that Triple H saw him as a legitimate threat to his world title. Um, And that's just when things became, started to crumble. Um, So 
yeah, this all came to a head during a contract signing on Raw where Batista had to choose whether to join SmackDown and face John Cena and JBL or stay on Raw and take on Triple H. So Triple H and Ric Flair naturally were encouraging him to go to SmackDown and they could dominate, you know, the entire company. But Batista decided to stay on Raw and take on Triple H. And uh, this is an incredibly memorable moment where he gave them this false sense of security holding that SmackDown contract in one hand and the thumbs up in the other before yeah. he flips it downward and attacks Nate and Triple H. And one of the things that is so great about this moment is because it's basically a throwback to when Evolution earlier turned on Randy Orton like about a year prior um, and it just felt like an amazing moment of karma for Triple H finally. And it was definitely, a, yeah, but it was a crowning moment for Batista and he went on to become like one of the biggest stars of the company. Yeah. And it's probably the only time I ever popped for Batista, but it was a big pop. It was such a good moment. And like you said, the, the whole the whole thumbs up, thumbs down thing, that's just the, an iconic thing that, that, you know, Batista's known for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, like they don't, the way they had already kind of sown the seeds of it with Randy Orton and stuff like that. And then, yeah, yeah for, for, for Triple H to be on the receiving end of the thumbs down this time. And, and not yeah. only that, but for like for B- Batista to sort of ultimately be the winner of that feud as well and take the title at, at Mania and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it was actually, it makes, the reign of terror worth something because it was like he yeah. triple H sort of conquered all these guys. And then finally, like the guy that actually like um, not legit beat him, but beat him for good kind of thing. Like didn't just, the title didn't just immediately go back to triple H uh, like they did with Goldberg, for instance, where like Goldberg took the title off him, but then he dropped it back to triple H later. Um, or, or they sort of did the, the, the triple, you know, way round with, with um, Orton and stuff like that, um, you know, with uh, Mr. Black. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I think just the way it was built up, and it's one of those things too, like we were talking sort of before we started recording about how face turns generally aren't an instant thing like a heel turn someone sort of all of a sudden turns around and cracks someone in the back with a chair and oh my god you know or or like there's a there's a sort of a, a split second moment where okay he's a bad guy now whereas he, face turns tend to be more over time because or the character doesn't actually have that turn moment it's just oh, he's been cheered for a while so we just sort of went with it he just stopped cheating and stopped doing bad guy things uh, you know, yeah. and, and now he's a good guy, and you just sort of accept it. Whereas the, this Batista one is almost that. Like it was teased for a bit, but then the thumbs down moment is almost like that instant, like flick of the switch. Where like, oh, he's a good guy now, because he yeah. he turned on Triple H, but it was a heel turning on another heel, so it made Batista a babyface. So yeah, it was, um, and, and the whole the whole time you sort of thought, yeah, look. Triple H is trying to convince him to go to SmackDown and, you know, thinking, yeah, maybe it might happen. And that's sort of the element of su- that element of surprise. There. It's just, it was really, it's fantastic. And the storytelling yeah. was basically like, 
don't pick me because I don't want to fight you at Mania because you'll beat me. And then that's kind yeah. of, that's what happened. You know, like it was like, yeah, it's, he was right. Like that's why he wanted to, him to go fight JBL, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing, one of the things that makes it so special is one, because Batista was doing so well and he was really winning the audience over naturally, but to, as mentioned, you know, this was during Triple H's reign of terror. We were all just so sick of him. And, you know, he'd shown in turning on Randy Orton that he would step on anyone's neck, even his own teammate, to hold on to that title. So to see Batista turn on him was just such a satisfying moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so, Steve, you said you had that on your list as well. Um, Certainly did. What uh, <laughs> what else do you have uh, in your in your list? What what was on the oh. like second on your list? Yep. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back a bit further, so I know Stacey won't have this one. All right. Um, it's the <laughs> Shockmaster. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> I couldn't find a Benoit face turn either. So no <laughs> he Benoit had a good heel turn at the end there. <laughs> he did. He had a very good heel turn. Um, I'm going back to 1992, and. Um, I'm going back to The Undertaker. Um, mm. <laughs> when he first came in, you know, he was brought in as a bad guy. He um, formed an alliance with Jake Roberts about a year or so later. Um, they pretty much ran riot, taking over. Um, there was a, a big thing with them taking on Macho Man and Elizabeth and attacking them at their wedding. and Just, um, you know, um, everyone remembers the, the, the cobra-biting um, macho man, um, you know, and and Jake Roberts thought that he, you know, he had con- had control of the Undertaker, and you know, he was he was doing his bidding for him, and um, the, um, pretty much uh, Undertaker had had enough of Roberts, and on an episode of the Funeral Parlor, um, Jake Roberts asked whose side he was on, and the Undertaker said, "Not yours," and the crowd popped massively for Undertaker then. And that led to Undertaker versus uh, Jake Roberts at WrestleMania 7, um, you know, where Undertaker obviously kept his streak going. Uh, but that was the first, you know, the first face turn of The Undertaker. And, you know, it's pretty pretty memorable considering um, he's been around for so long. And, uh, yeah, that's probably one of my one of my favourite face turns that, I, that I've seen. Yeah, considering that everything about that character is really designed to be a heel when you when you yeah. think about it. Like just always a spooky undertaker, like, oh, look out, kids, he's scary, you know, and he's this mammoth, mammoth dude. And like, yeah, he's got he's all tatted up and the black clothes and the hat and you know, like he he looks like a heel and, and especially all the Ministry of Darkness and and, and the yeah. you know, all that sort of his entrance is like the death dirge and all that. Like for them to be like to, for him to then sort of turn that all around and then over time he's one of the biggest babyface characters ever. That's pretty impressive. And obviously it's, you know, they you hear people like Austin and, and DDP and these guys and stuff say like the, the gimmick itself is is like a pretty crappy gimmick on paper, but like he made it work and he's probably one of the, yeah. other, one of the few people that could have made it work, so... Definitely. And I think big props have to be given to Jake Roberts because, you know, he played a really, really good role in that as well. Well, he was always so good at, like, someone like Jake Roberts is always the perfect person to have someone stand up to and become a babyface because Roberts was so good at 
being that sleazy yeah. dirtbag heel. So yeah, playing the mind game sort of thing. Yeah, he, mm. he was good at that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this might be the first moment on screen where I guess Undertaker showed some humanity or heart even, you could say, like standing up to him. Yeah, pretty much. And and even then it's not sort of done in like, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do because I'm a good guy. It's just more like, like you said, Steve, like whose side do you want? Well, not yours. So he's a baby face by default. So you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Which is like, yeah. you know, even like Austin kind of thing. Like Austin really, by the book, was always heel. But because he's going up against McMahon and Corporate Rock and whoever else, Triple H, it's like, well, yeah, he's kind of a shithead, but he's fighting a worse shithead. So I'm going to cheer for him. <laughs> you know? like yeah, yeah, definitely. Austin yeah. was always kind of the lesser of two evils. So, yeah. Um, and my thing as well is the only the way to change heels into baby faces is they just have to stop cheating and running down the crowd like if you don't give shit to the crowd and you don't cheat you can do everything else the same because that's sort of like oh he's a badass you know like okay yeah exactly like austin like you just said yeah yeah you know Shawn michaels triple a like triple a baby face triple h isn't much different than heel triple h it's just that he's a fucking psychopath you know, he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit of a second. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, um, yeah, like Babyface, uh, Mankind, for instance, is mm. way different than Heal Mankind. Yeah, so, massive. Yeah. I think yeah. this is like just the beginning of um, expanding Undertaker's character into something more complex and less one-dimensional, I guess, than this creepy dude that hangs out in a funeral parlor. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of is the beginning of peeling back the layers and it really turned into something special. Yeah. And uh, I'll piggyback off your pick, Steve, with Undertaker and and I'll throw out my first one uh, with Kane because it's obviously the similarities are there. But... Uh, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was 1999. It could be wrong. It may have been late 98. But when they had the whole, like, the corporation and you had, you know, Patterson and Briscoe as the Stooges and then uh, I think at the, like, um, I think at the time, like, China and all that, like, they were all, you know, part of the corporation under McMahon and stuff like that. And Kane ended up kind of being part of it. But almost by like against his will because he got, if you remember, he got sent to the, to the insane, insane asylum. And there's those, right. those sort of vignettes of Kane with the straight jacket on and all this kind of stuff. And the idea was, right, we'll, we'll get you out of the asylum, but you work for us now. So they had, you know, the big red monster and he was taking people out left, right and center. And you then had like, Patterson and Briscoe kind of abusing him and stuff and being like, just do it. You know, just, you know, he didn't want to, I think that's where the X-Pac stuff started as well. He didn't want to tombstone X-Pac or he didn't want to keep, like he didn't want to tombstone him for the fourth time in a row or something like that. And those, you know, the Stooges are like, just do it, just do it. And, you know, you get that head, that head turn from Kane where it's like, look, he's like a dog. He's thinking, you know, (laughs) And then them being in that automatically, you started to get like gain sympathy for Kane of all people. And I think the way that they did that, considering again, like 
Cain was the most evil thing going and yet you felt sorry for him and then you were sort of had that underlying like oh man I wish he'd just snap out of it and just kick these guys ass you know and then of course he does and it was like oh Cain's a baby face now which yeah again at that time I would never have thought possible just because it's like how do you he's a monster like so um, and yeah. then he, he had some back and forths with turns and stuff, but he he was he was quite a big babyface character there for a while, you know, as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Kane almost had no right to be such a great babyface, but he just was um, during the time with, I guess, like the Brothers of Destruction and even with X-Pac. Um, I mean, I guess he's had various tag teams, which we've uh, discussed before, but... Uh, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like back then, like, it sounds really silly, but there, and I'm going to word this wrong, but there was a sense of innocence with Kane because it's like he was missing just, I, I don't even know, like he, his whole career from the beginning at least, um, you know, he was sort of always under the hand of someone else like Paul Bear or The Undertaker. And, you know, you kind of, it made you root for him because it felt, you felt like he, I don't know. Do you, He's misguided. No, you're know, right. You're yeah, on the, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I was, yeah, that's exactly the way I felt about it because you're like, ah, oh, he's not so bad after all. He's just had yeah. evil people directing him to do the wrong thing, you know, like. Yeah, he's just caught with the wrong crowd. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Say. And then and that and then that's why then they you had like the uh Briscoe and Patterson sort of running in that sort of bully uh mentality basically of like just do it, just do it, or you'll be back in the nut house and this kind of stuff, you know. And it's like, yeah, it, you you just you gain sympathy for him and it was like, oh, I'm kind of with Kane on this one. Like it's weird, you know. <laughs> so Yeah. And then for the, him to then sort of be a baby face and then it's like, oh, now him and Undertaker are kind of cool with each other? Like, shit, do you mean they could be a tag team? And, oh, wow. Like, it's, you know, then off they went. So, um, and, of course, that sort of led to the whole thing with X-Pac as well where it was like, oh, you know, he felt he finally had a friend and that kind of stuff. So um, it's like it's not Beauty and the Beast, but it's kind of that. You know, like it's that sort of same. It's you know what I mean. It's just it's just not yeah, a romantic yeah. thing. It's like if you treat the monster nicely, maybe he won't be a monster to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought considering again, Bill Undertaker, considering that Kane was such this of a like a vicious heel and this destructive monster, to then be like, oh, poor Kane, like that's pretty good booking and and like well performed. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I just think that, yeah, that's that had to be on my list just for the, the pure, not the shock of it, but just how I remember feeling surprised by it. Like, oh, wow, okay. And you do see it in a lot of pop culture things as well, like where the worst villains kind of just become this anti-hero thing and it's like, yeah, I kind of like that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, they did it with Harley Quinn. Negan is the perfect example of that. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, like people love Negan. It's like, yeah, but he's the worst piece of shit ever. You know, but it's like, yeah, but he's great. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'll yeah. I'll just say as someone who loves Negan, um, it, it's mostly because Jeffrey D. Morgan's just, you know, 
like an absolute sex symbol. (laughs) (laughs) Hot hot dad, we call him in my house because of um, my wife started watching Supernatural before I did. And she was like, oh, that's that's, that." whenever he'd turn up in something, she'd be like, oh, that's hot hot dad. That's hot dad. (laughs) Yeah, he's a dilf. I like the um, episode of episode of Supernatural where they come back in carrying the baseball bat with yeah. the barbed wire wrapped around it, and they're like, "Dad, love this thing." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, before we go off on a, a Negan tangent, Stacey, uh, <laughs> who um, who do you Wrong have? Show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> who do you? Uh, unfunny. Yeah, it's an end. It could still be aunt. Unfunny Negan tangent. Um, <laughs> Uh, who do you have, Stace, for your second choice? Okay, so I've already gone into this in great detail in another show, but I couldn't not pick this. If I didn't pick it, I wouldn't be honest with myself. So <laughs> my second pick is Stone Cold in uh, the Infamous Double Turn with Brad. Bitch, again, <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. All right, I'm done for the night, guys. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll yep. speak to you later. <laughs> this is Steve's heel turn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this was uh, obviously done at WrestleMania 13, uh, 1997. Now, I'm not going to go into it in, in great detail. Uh, we all know what happens. Um Bret Hart puts Stone Cold in the uh, Stone Cold in the sharpshooter. Stone Cold's bleeding profusely from the head, and he ends up passing out as opposed to tapping. Um, and I, I do use the the term face turn very lightly with this one because Stone Cold could be more described as a tweener than anything because it's just not particularly in his nature to be a goody two shoes. We all know this and that's why we love him. Um, But the thing that's so special about this face turn is the subtlety of it. Um, You know, there's not really any words exchanged. There is no big moment of betrayal. Um, And it is the defining moment um, like where Stone Cold shows heart and this will to never give up. Um, and it just, you know, it could have gone either way, you know, the, the crowd could have not bought it, you know, and it, it might not have worked, but he was just such an effective character at the time. Like you couldn't help but root for him. And he was just showing so much resilience in that moment. You know, it just made you want to back him. And yeah, it, it really speaks for itself. The fact that we all still talk about it all these years later. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we even mentioned it. I think that was one of the ones in the heel turn one we did, wasn't it? Or we spoke, like you said, we spoke about it previously. I think so. Yeah. It was definitely in uh, favorite mania matches when we did that yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just that iconic um, picture of him in the sharpshooter with blood pouring down his face. You know, the like you said, the not not giving in, the, the will to keep fighting sort of thing. And that's what sort of, I think, made the crowd and the fans sort of hey, this guy's actually legit. Mm. And it, that's another one where uh, it was kind of a gradual thing because obviously he was getting cheered and stuff like that and he was popular and it's like, oh, well, we're going to have to do something because he's he's being cheered over, you know, Bret Hart the hero and this kind of stuff, even though he's, yeah. he's clearly a heel and doing heel things. But it wasn't so much of a 
flick the switch moment as more of, I see it as more of just sort of that icing on the cake. Like he was being treated as a baby face by the crowd. So we just sort of, by turning heart heel again, it, by default is the double turn and makes Austin um, technically classified now as a baby face. And that's all you need then just to solidify it. Um, but of yeah. course, yeah, I think it, it, it definitely deserves to be on the list um, because yeah, just of, like you said, without that, does it become, is Austin sort of then like Roman Reigns in reverse almost, you know, where it's like, we want you to boo him. No, we're going to cheer him. Yeah. You know, it's just that, that, that back, that's the thing with wrestling back then. They listened to the crowds and they went with it. Yeah. Whereas mm. yeah. now it's just like, you know, it took him thing. five years, five years too long to turn Roman Reigns heel. Yeah. And I mean, he's, Even longer. he's good at it, but like, there's no crowds so yeah that's right yeah yeah you know a lot of people are praising it but then how many people would now be it's tough for roman because i do feel bad for him because when he was a baby face people would boo him and they wanted him to turn heel and they wanted wanted him to turn heel so badly that when he turns heel they cheered it yeah because it's like yeah this is what we want we want him to be a heel yay it's like uh, then you should be booing because they want you to boo like that's right. Roman wants you to boo. So show your support for your heels by booing them because that's, yeah. you know, that's almost like, I know it's a sort of a smarky way of looking at it, but it, it, it yeah. Like if, and same with John Cena, if John Cena had turned heel at whatever point, like on Daniel Bryan or something, for instance, people would have cheered it and it would have killed Daniel yeah. Bryan. Because yep. now it'd be like, yeah, John Cena's the best because he's a heel. Woohoo. Like, that's what, we, that's what we wanted. It's like, yeah. So, well, they had the perfect opportunity after Mania when he, he beat um, um, Taker. And it was like, this is my yard now, bitch, mm. with that, that promo. And they just never went anywhere with it. They never went on with it. Perfect yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and same with Cena, like when Rock beat him there's your perfect opportunity for Cena to have gone heel like the next night on yeah. all because it was like, oh, fuck this. Like, you yeah. Know. And then, yeah, but I can understand why they want to keep them baby faces because obviously the merch and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, but still, but still, yeah, but no, but still, I, I mean, people, people will still buy merch if they're, if they're, if they're heels. I mean, yeah, that's right. You know, like it's not going to stop people from buying the merch. If I mean, Austin character. was selling his three sixteen shirt before he turned babyface. You know, yeah. the uh, the NWO were never babyfaces. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah. Except for well, like the Wolfpack was, but that was like five yeah, yeah. guys. But like the, the NWO yeah. itself were never babyfaces. Like, no, so. and that's probably one of the biggest selling wrestling t shirts of all time. Yeah, those two, the NWO and then the Austin three sixteen. They, they, yeah. I don't know which one would be more, probably Austin, but probably Austin, I'd say, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. So you've got a lot of rednecks in the south of America wearing the NWO shirt still. <laughs> yeah, shout, shout out to our redneck listeners. <laughs> we, if, if you if you are a redneck listener, tweet tweet us at Aussie Top Three. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag yeah, hashtag Redneck Top Three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, all right, so Steve. I, I, yeah, look, I've I've got I've got one as a, as a backup. Backups, yeah. <laughs> I got one as a backup. Thanks, okay. Stacey. Um, I look to, to be brutally honest. I, I 
I thought that one of yours would have had at least one of them. So, you know, I had to have a backup. Um, uh, do you want, one, I don't do know. You want, I was going to say, do you want me to go next and you can close it? You know, you can close us out with your final pick. No, no, no. I'll, I'll go in case you've got it. Um, All right. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you'll have it. That's but, a good point. Um, it's, um, I don't know. For, for me, it was a face turn as such. This guy, um, for, for a few years, he was more of a heel than he was a face. You know, I'm, I'm going with CM Punk. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he had the straight edge society where, you know, he, he, he was a heel. He was a heel. But that, that um, episode of Raw with a pipe bomb, um, to me it was like a, I don't know, it, it, didn't, it didn't change him as who he was. It just made people relate to who he was, I guess. And that's, that's what made him a face. Everyone loved him after that because he was telling people how it actually was. You know, he was breaking the fourth wall. He was saying shit he shouldn't be saying. Um, but you go from there, uh, straight up, like from that pipe bomb, he just went nuts. Like he held the championship for 300 days. He, he lost to Del Rio when he probably shouldn't have. But, you know, he, um, he could have held the title for longer. But I just think CM Punk and, and a lot of the stuff he did on the Indies prior to WWE was like this. And that's what drew the money. And that's what the fans liked. And I just, I think that really showed everyone what CM Punk was capable of. And the fans absolutely ate it up. That's another case of, okay, you're exactly the same character, but you don't shit on the crowd anymore and you don't cheat, yes. to, win, and you don't cheat to win matches. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he even punched a dude in the face in the crowd and he still got cheered. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And usually no, those those storylines where like I'm leaving, I'm walking out. That's still a very that's yeah. a very heel thing to do. Like that was Batista's yeah. whole thing when he initially sort of retired for the first time. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I quit, I'm out of here. Like JBL, that's how he quit. You know, I'm, I quit, yeah. I'm gone. You know, it's a heel thing. I'm taking my ball and going home. But yeah. Punk did it, and everyone was like, "Yeah, that's awesome." Yeah, exactly. Of <laughs> I hope he leaves punk, with know, the they, title. Everyone. Yeah, everyone related to Punk, I think. That was the thing. But they, they fucked that up. They brought him back a week later. And it's like, what the fuck? He should have gone off for a month. He should have gone to, you know, Ring of Honor or something and had a couple of matches there and then come back. And But, yeah. But, no, I really – I think um, – yeah. But um, then he went and decided to fight the UFC, which is, you know, good on him for having the balls to do it. But, yeah. Um, but then yeah. having said that, yeah. you'd grow some pretty big balls if you are going to get paid like a million bucks. Oh, for yeah. sure. Like for it's, sure. That's what a lot of people say. Oh, he's got the balls to get in the octagon. I bet you'd never do that. It's like, I fucking would for $2 million. For, oh, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. Definitely. When you just let the guy grab you and just tap out, in, like, any, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you could take one punch. Like, yeah, you might break your jaw or whatever, but, like, which still yeah. fucking sucks, but you you feel a yeah. lot better when you you know, eating your soup, counting your $2, $2 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially for us, Greg, we'd have to fight heavyweight, and you know <laughs> they'd probably kill That's us. That's right. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I thought. Look, I think Punk has to be on there. It certainly changed his character, and and the yeah, the fans loved it. Mm. Yeah, I, I loved it. <laughs> oh, me too. I I certainly thought about it, but it it is such a subtle face turn. Yeah, it's yeah certainly yeah. not a really obvious moment um well i didn't but... have a choice stacy i had to I'm choose sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. um 
the thing that's crazy about this is like I don't think we had such a big breaking of the fourth wall moment since the click really yeah um yep. I remember when it happened at the time like just googling and looking on Twitter like I was just so blown away I was like surely like he wasn't allowed to say that um and they really made you think that you know with cutting his microphone at the end there um yeah yeah. It was done well, yeah, because it was like, oh, shit. Um, the, yeah, I mean, he even, you know, even mentioned Colt Cabana, who was in another company at the time, and, you know, they, they weren't doing stuff like that. Yeah, and just the language he used too. Like, it wasn't like this company will be better when Vince McMahon is gone. It's like this company will be better when Vince McMahon is dead. You yeah, know? and his doofus, his doofus son-in-law. Yeah, and his, his idiotic, idiotic daughter. Son. Yeah, it was yeah like, that was so cool. And that's not. And then like, it led to obviously the feuds with Triple H and and all that, which were, were fantastic. But, and then it's yeah. not the and like the language he used was kind of real. So like you said, yeah. like you don't hear a lot of that sort of stuff. Like oh, you idiot, you know, like oh, you know, yeah. Stephanie, the idiotic daughter kind of thing, and like the venom he had behind it. It was like, yeah, it was. Yeah. it wasn't just I mean, like it, the usual baby face running down Stephanie, like you know, oh yeah, well, yeah, you know. yeah. And I mean, there was one promo against Hunter where he's like, "This isn't CM Punk talking to Triple H. This is you know Brooks fit, uh, talking to Paul Levesque. You know, so he he it was really. He, he was breaking that fourth wall and making it personal. Yeah, I think the moment that I guess made it more of a face turn um, in that was the fact he did show some what respect to John Cena. You know, as he said, he's like, I, lo- yeah. I like you. I like you more than a lot of the other people in the locker room. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah, And it's that kind of thing too where, so most people, I'd say 95% of people saw that as a babyface promo, but there would be some people out there who saw that as a heel promo and would have been yeah. like, fuck this guy. Who does he think he is? Like John Cena is amazing. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, talk yeah. about Vince McMahon like that. Like he created wrestling, you know, for, yep. for the modern era. You know what I mean? Like there would be people upset yeah. about it. But so it, it, I think they, I mean, I, I'm, Again, 99% sure they knew what they had with that promo as far as like, yeah, they'll love it. But yeah, yeah, for yeah. whatever reason, if it backfired and didn't work and everybody booed it, like that's okay too because yeah, true. then he could have yeah. gone on and been that petulant guy. Like, what about me? A bit like Raven, you know? Like, what about Raven? Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Like, I don't get a title shot, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. No, I think it's that. that's a good choice. Um Especially considering that, yeah, you've sort of had to be stolen out from you, Steve. And I've got none left now, okay? That's it, done. <laughs> all right, well, I, I'm sorry, but as we all know, it's not an AT3 if we don't bring up Terry. Um, so, oh, yeah, mate, Terry. That's good old Tezza. Terry B. Uh, do him a solid. Come on, do him yeah. a solid. So the, it, it's an obvious one, but, I mean, come on. Um Hollywood Hogan being cheered in Canada against The Rock at WrestleMania. Uh, and then, of course, going on with it and being probably the biggest face at the time in the company. And, I mean, the whatever it was, four-minute standing ovation of cheering on Raw the next night and things like that. Like, yeah, I remember reading Hogan's book, 
about a year before that. And I mean, 90% of it's probably bullshit, but, you know, but he does say towards the end of it, like, I'm going to, I'm not done with wrestling. I'm going to come back and I'm going to be the biggest name in wrestling again. And it's like, okay, Terry, like, yeah, that's, yeah, we'll see. Like you'll, you come back (laughs) and you'll get good pops and you'll be a big star, but the number one guy in wrestling, well, that would have to be in the WWF because WCW is gone. So how are you going to be the number one guy in WWF? But I mean, for a short while, he did do it. He came back and he was the number one guy in wrestling again yeah. uh, from that match. And then obviously like the raw, the raw reaction. And then of course they put the belt on him again. And it's like, yeah, shit. He, I just remember thinking he, he said he was going to do this in his book. This is weird. So, um, but just yeah. more so the match itself and props to the rock for not actually turning heel in that match, because a lot of other wrestlers would kind of be like, well, I've got no other options. So now I'm going to mm-hmm. have to be, a, I'm going to have to act like a heel and it would have almost been a double turn again. And yeah. it would be the, we talk about like the double turn when Hogan turned face and the rock turned heel, but he just stuck with it. It was like, no, it's all right. I'll just keep being me. And yeah. So yeah, I think, I think um, you spoke about this, this one previously on another podcast too, where, you know, you, you were saying um, it, Hogan was, you know, leading the rock around telling him, Hey, look, the crowd's mm-hmm. doing this. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I think for the rock, it was a really good learning experience. You can see it yeah. in there. You can see it yeah. in their stare downs, particularly on the one when rock initially comes out on raw to confront Hogan and challenges him the stare down and where half the crowd is chanting for rock. Then they switch to Hogan. Then they switch back to rock. And then it sort of goes back and forth. Hogan does the turn and, you know, he's, he's super like animated with all his moves, you know, look at the crowd and all this sort of stuff. And so rock goes, Oh, and looks the other way. And then Hogan slowly turns his head. And so rocks like, Oh, okay. And mimics him and they cross over Mm -hmm. and then they look at the looking to the other side of the room, you know? So things like that. And I mean, rock was already great. But yeah. it's just little subtleties like that, which I don't think Hogan gets enough, um, like, respect for things like that. Like, obviously, yep. I'm not defending him as a person, but just as those kinds of things, everyone's like, oh, Hogan's just there for show. And it's like, yeah, but there's a reason for that. Like, he was, yeah. he was good at wrestling, but he was good at being a wrestler, if that makes sense. Performing. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 yeah could, he could call a match, yeah. you know. Yeah. He could call a match, definitely. Like, mm. and all the experience in the ring in the world, so. I think it really says a lot about the star power of both of them at the time because I find, especially with a massive crowd um, at Mania and, like, in Toronto of all places, and, you know, Mania in general pulls a massive international crowd, so it's usually we see a different kind of reaction at the best of times. But I find in that case sometimes a crowd will easily turn against the face and... You know, they could have easily turned against a rock, but it really was like a 50-50 yeah. um, crowd, which made that moment so special. And um, it definitely elevated Hogan's face turn. Yeah, definitely. And I think just the fact that he went into that match as a massive heel as well because they ran over the rock with a truck and, you know, all this <laughs> shit and they are meant to be there to destroy the WWF and, you know, and all that stuff and, 
the promos against Rock of like, ah, oh, you're just a flash in the pan and you're nothing. And and he's berating him the whole match. Like, you know, come on, meatball, like all that shit. Like he's <laughs> he's doing the Thunderlips um, from Rocky Three. But yeah, and I just think the way that they both handled it, like it wasn't all Hogan. A lot of it was Rock too, but like the two of them worked together and it, and it you know, made one of the, like I said, in my opinion, one of the best babyface turns. Uh, and you know, short-lived for from obviously because Hogan wasn't going to go on and dominate. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they put still. Triple H just won the title at that same Mania, like after his comeback from the quad injury and stuff, and they they dropped the title to Hogan a month later. Like yeah. he he literally dropped the title at the next pay per view to Hogan, like forty nine year old Hulk Hogan. So <laughs> yeah. Oh so I think that's that's sort of the power of that turn, I think, and just the nostalgia and people being like, yeah, you know. So it's just a shame yeah. that, yeah, you know, obviously other things have happened in the part, you know, since then. But for that moment, I still, you know, I'll judge, I'll judge it on its merits for what it is, not for outside influences and stuff like that. So just like Benoit, I judge him on his in-ring performance, not on outside. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to talk about, like, like I said, if you were going to say, like, best technical matches ever, I don't think there's a problem with being like, well, this match with Benoit was pretty good. It's like, yeah, yeah, it is. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's not, um, it's not down to the year, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> I, had to, I had to mention him, sorry. Yeah. I had to fit him in somewhere. Ah, <laughs> huh. of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, start the year off right. So exactly, can't leave him hanging. (laughs) (laughs) Stace, get us out of this. (laughs) All right, third pick. So (laughs) don't trip over that segue. Just yeah. (laughs) Yes, some might see this as a bit of a cop out pick, and I almost didn't pick it, but. It's just such a great moment and it just nothing nothing else kind of stood up to it for me. So this is in 2014 when Daniel Bryan turns on the Wyatt family after a very brief stint um, with them. Um, So this is just on an episode of Raw in a Hell in a Cell match and you know I I won't go over it too much because I think we all remember it. It wasn't that long ago at least. You know, yeah. compared to 1992, it's not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure age, right? <laughs> yeah, and it does feel like maybe a little bit of a cop-out pick because there was still some good in Brian um, and, you know, he didn't go full heel with the Wyatt family. But, yeah, I just had to I had to pick it because it's such a great moment in that cell, um, you know, when – you think that he's going to give in to Bray again and stick with them and another week's going to pass. And then basically he starts attack and, you know, the infamous moment with the crowd where he's drawing out the yes, yes. And you can just hear a pin drop between those yeses. It's just I remember somebody, somebody put a GIF of it on Twitter like the next day or a couple of days later and it was like, look, kids, this is what over looks like. And it was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. just like you said, not just the yes, yes, the slow wait for me, like the slight and people were with him. It was like, yeah, he's yeah. commanding this crowd. Like that was incredible. 
Yeah, he literally had the crowd in the palm of his hand in that moment. Yeah. And yeah. It, and I it was, think that's another one where the story was so well done as well because it was like, oh, like he tricked Wyatt into the cage and now he can beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, yeah, all right, I'll fight you in the cage. Haha, <laughs> wink, wink. And then like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, yeah he was, he was, you know, it was... It was me all along. <laughs> like it was that kind of, yeah, yeah. Just the subtlety of it was great. The the only like the the face turn was good. The only issue I had with that is I don't think they they, they probably, I would have you know dragged it out a bit longer. It was it seemed like it was over very quickly. Yeah, I didn't mind that it was too quick because I think it did. They did seem to be getting a bit of backlash in like, ah, oh, look, they clearly don't want to push Brian and we're cheering him. So they're going to make him a heel and that sort of thing. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind it too bad, but yeah, it could have, it, it might have even been bigger if it had been at, uh, especially being on raw too. Like it yeah, didn't yeah. sort of wait until the pay-per-view or something, but yeah. So now that's a good yeah. one. I hadn't even honestly hadn't even thought of that. When I was, yeah, and I was like, "Shit, yeah, that's a good, that's a good pick." Yeah, I mean, well, Brian's had his fair share of um, face and heel turns over his time with the company, but this just really stands out to me because he was by far the most over person in the company at that time, and that was one of the biggest pops I've heard in ten plus years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, my my final pick is um, it's funny because it involves sort of a double turn. It's actually a triple turn technically, uh, and it also involves Steve Austin. But it's when the raw after the invasion angle ended, and with Ric Flair's debut, and Vince McMahon is out there with Kurt Angle, and they were both babyfaces because they just won the invasion basically for WWF and they went out there and they were sort of being dicks and the whole thing of like, I'm going to strip Austin of the title because you know, he doesn't work here. He shouldn't work here and that kind of thing. So the crowd had already sort of started to become a turn against McMahon as they, it's very easily easy for them to do that. And then Kurt Angle was defending McMahon. So the crowd started to be like, well, fuck you too, buddy. So they were sort of, you know, like these guys were baby faces last night and now they're being dicks and being heels. And then Flair comes out, gets the pop. And, of course, that then puts McMahon against Flair. But then Austin comes out at the very end and it's just he just lifts the title slowly off Flair's shoulder and takes it. And then it's like, throw me the beers. And, okay, Austin's a baby face again. But it also then flipped McMahon and Angle. So everything's back to normal now. You know, it was almost like, okay, the whole bizarro world experiment is over. Angle's a heel again. McMahon's a heel again. Austin's a babyface. And by the way, Ric Flair's here now as well. So I just think the way that segment worked on so many levels, I thought I'd, I'd give that a shout out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the, the amount of heel face sort of turns in there that was that's pretty I, i'd actually i'd forgotten about it too it's, it's it's not really yeah. an obvious one and i'm sure there are probably yeah. better ones but i just thought that was a memorable one for me and i just i just love the way that austin just slowly lifts the title off flair's shoulder like 
No, I'm, yeah. take, I'm taking this. It's mine. And Flair just yeah. smiles at him. Just like yeah. all teeth. Just like, yeah, like there he is. And, like that's Austin, you know. The, the people that were actually involved in it too, like they were mega superstars, you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah it was... And Kurt Angle had never been like hotter as a babyface, you know what I mean? Because he'd had the feud against Austin and he was sort of leading the WWF charge and he'd had the milk truck moment and all that kind of stuff, which was a huge kind of thing as well. And then everybody loved Kurt Angle and then he's come out and kind of started to regress a little bit, but not until Flair came out and then that, like we said, then it just, well, I guess Austin's the baby face in this situation. Well, it's not going to take much for them to cheer Austin because they sort of never really stopped. But yeah. he was still a heel. But then, yeah, the whole thing of like, I've got the title here and I'm going to, it was, McMahon had it in his hands and he's like, I'm going to strip Austin of it because he lost and he was with the, the Alliance. And then, of course, when uh, the whole thing went down, Flair ended up having the title and he was holding it. And then, yeah, oh, you know, we're partners and all this kind of stuff. And then, yeah, just Austin just casually just, like, eyeballing Ric Flair as in, like, I'm, I'll fight you too. And Flair just smiles yeah. at him, like, yeah, great, take it. It's yours. You know, <laughs> that's, the st- that's the Steve Austin I came here to see kind of thing. And you're like, yeah, there we go. So, and, like, I wasn't even a huge fan of Austin at the time. I'm sort of more of a, like, uh, like I've become more of an Austin fan over the years, like looking back at stuff. But like yeah, at the time, definitely. like Austin was never my guy, you know, I was more rock and things like that, you know? So, um, but yeah, looking back, it's like, I, I get it. Like having, I get, I understand why people cheered him so much now because it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just the, like the, the finger to, to the McMahon and you know, all that stuff. It's, it's little subtleties and things like that. It's like, you know, like what we were saying about it with Hogan before, you know, like just little things like that. It's like, yep. Like you're making me pay attention and I'm like, I'm invested in this, not just, yeah, hit him again. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, I'm sure there are better, like technically better choices, but that was a memorable one for me. So yeah. Fuck it. Definitely. No, I, I like it. I do. I think it's a good choice. That's um, just looking at my facts here. That's another one on raw mm. by the looks of it. But um, look, I'll be honest. I I thought your third pick would be um, Macho Man with uh, reuniting with Miss Elizabeth. That's not bad too. That's a good like. Oh yeah. yay! Like you know that's yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of lessened for me over the years because when you're younger, you're like they're back together. All right, great. And because because we know they're married in real life, and then you find out later, it's like actually they were went they're not. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. at that point in time, like they're done. Like it's not, it's not the happy story. Like it is on screen, but it's like, yeah. But yeah, that's a good one. Um, and my, just real quick, I had an honourable mention only just because we always bring up, or I always bring up the William Regal promo against Triple H. So mm-hmm. I had to throw that out there because that, I mean, the Eugene thing we mentioned that on our bad gimmicks show with adam but it it worked in that way that it, it of all people it turned william regal into a baby face against like yeah cool heel triple h and people went berserk for that so i wouldn't put that on the list of best turns but almost just because of that promo it's just yeah so 
But uh, I thought, Stacey, you would have had Piper in there somewhere. I don't know how, but, you know, maybe yeah. some sort of. Look, I, I didn't have any standout moments with Piper as a uh, turning face, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah. I guess he had some pretty great moments as a face in WCW, but I feel like there wasn't a big turn moment. He just rocked up as a face. If you know yeah, what I mean. he just sort of yeah, de- yeah, debuted and got the cheers, and it's like, well, all right, he's yeah. So. It is a shame because, um, yeah, like it would have been great if they brought him in as a heel and then kind of just slowly, gradually turned him face against Hogan. But yeah, yeah. if Hogan had brought him in, for instance, as like the newest recruit of the NWI, when it's like, shit, yeah. even Piper is part of it. Like, wow, that's a big like surprise because they hate each other. They've been rivals in the eighties and stuff. And then you could almost do that sort of Daniel Bryan turn with Piper in that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, all right, let's do a cage match Hogan. Like I'm with you buddy. And then it's like, ha ha ha. And that would fit with Piper's character because he was always, you know, one step ahead of everyone else. So yeah, that would have been awesome. Mm. Oh, well, um, another, Another honourable mention I had was uh, Trish Stratus when she sort of finally turned babyface after all the like Vince McMahon bark like a dog stuff, you know, like all oh, that. Yeah. Because yeah, that, that I think great. that set her on her path then and she became, you know, like oh, I the best women's wrestler ever, right? You know, as far as yeah matches and superstardom and that sort of thing. So um, I think you, you don't get to that if you don't have that. A bit like the Kane situation where it was like, you know, beat them down, beat them down, beat them down. And then when they finally step up and stand up for themselves, everybody goes berserk. So. Yeah, I mean, there's no more satisfying moment than seeing Vince get get what he deserves after being like a complete womanizer to Trish and just completely humiliating her week after week. I mean, he continued to be a womanizer and he still is, but that's besides the point. Yeah, see, I can imagine for like for you, for instance, and like uh, you know, like Mel, who's been on the show as well, having you know, you're watching all that sort of shit, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, and then having the woman stand up and you know become the hero of it and that sort of thing. That's pretty rare for wrestling when it's mostly ninety uh, percent of yeah. it. Is, you know, and Trish wasn't even a wrestler at that point; she was still mm. the manager valet kind of character. So yeah, it's true. Then she went on to it and become you know what she was and. You know the, all the, the titles and the matches with leader and back and forth and all that. So, yeah. Um, any other honourable mentions you guys can can think of? No, I got nothing. No. Yeah, I think that's it for me. I really wanted to think of some other um, face turns involving involving women, but I really struggled to find some real memorable ones that stood out to me. It was AJ's. Yeah. When she came out for the the, uh, the pipe bombshell, mm. she was already babyface then, wasn't she? That didn't. She she's uh, she was a heel then, okay. Um, and she stayed a heel after that, um, even though the crowd was totally against what she uh, was with what she was saying. But it's quite a funny moment because the total divas are meant to be the good guys, but you yeah. know everyone's cheering yeah. for AJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's she a shame. Yeah. Place. yeah. <laughs> oh well. Well, that's uh, that. 
that's some good picks, I think, um, just to, to run through them. Uh, like we said, I, it wouldn't be a, a show if I didn't mention good old Terry B. Uh, but in this, in this case, the Hogan turn against, well, with The Rock uh, at WrestleMania. Uh, Stacey and Steve, you both had Batista sort of mm-hmm. ditching Triple H and Evolution. And Steve, you also had Undertaker from 92 uh, standing up against Jake the Snake. Uh, the double turn was Stone Cold uh, and Bret Hart was on Stacy's list. And I also had Austin in a double slash triple turn after the invasion. Uh, CM Punk got a nod from Steve with the pipe bomb. I thought, uh, what's the word? Sympathy for Kane of all people with the corporation made it onto my list and then Stacy, your whole Daniel Bryan in the cage with Brian, uh, with Bray Wyatt. And the, like we said, the, this is what over looks like kids yeah. <laughs> um, moment with the crowd. That's definitely a uh, memorable moment. So that was our top three of babyface turns. So let us know what you think on Twitter at our, with our show at Aussie top three. Uh, I'm also at Greg T 13. Stacy is at little Sherby. And Steve is at Stinger57. Uh, but as always, all roads lead to the steel cage. But until then, this has been episode 15 of Aussie Top 3. And until next time, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.